Hey folks, welcome back for another episode of Biomast. We're in episode 195. We're getting close to the big 200, but uh, we got the whole gang here. We got some topics to talk about, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am uh, Soraya Zell, also known as the top of the list, and uh, and uh, this this is going to be a, a, a interesting show. I think. Oh, don't I worry. Hope. I can talk if we have to talk. I can ramble on a long time about Monster Hunter. I actually had to cut my thoughts down. So, you know, if we got to fill, I can fill. So we'll get there. All right, Bate, you're up, man. How's it going? Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate. And, uh, yeah, I'm playing Assassin's Creed right now. You still on Origins? Yeah. Are they doing, like, DLC? Or are you just kind of finishing everything up and getting all the, the collectibles and stuff? Uh, there is DLC, but I'm not gonna buy it. I don't think um, story DLC, as far as uh, as far as I'm aware. But I didn't think the story was too terribly uh, uh, what's the word engaging, I guess, or, or justifiable for me to drop money on the DLC. So I'm just getting collectibles and doing side quests right now. All right, sounds good. I mean, I remember back when uh, when I was still in the series. I remember I think I platinumed. Assassin's Creed 2 in like a week because PSN was down so it was pretty much just like crawling all over the place like it, it took a long time to get everything so I know those games are kind of known for their dig around the open world for six weeks and eventually get you know 100% on it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. all right Jay you're up man hey folks I'm Jay I'm also one of the uh, co-hosts here on uh, on the mighty biomass media empire and uh, I've just kind of been knocking around, playing a few games here and there, uh, seeing some movies, and uh, kind of reliving my glory days of uh, uh, you know back in the back in the mid mid eighties. So, so it's kind of been a great week. Uh, other than that, uh, not too much else is going on. Actually, all right. So we're on episode one ninety five, right, Pokey? Yeah, that's right. Okay, all right. So I, I'm running out. I'm running out of steam. I don't got much on one ninety five. You got to get up a little higher in the numbers where I've got some correlative facts. But 195, the only thing I can really associate that to is this uh, small stretch of highway in Miami, uh, near Miami Beach, uh, that is absolutely horrendous. I was in a traffic jam there. There's, a, there's like a wreck on the highway. So I remember being stuck um, uh, in this on Interstate 195 in Miami, uh, and it was horrendous. So that's the only thing I got. Now, by the way, that's not indicative of how the show is going to go because I, I just have a feeling. I got a feeling that this could be a high-energy, high-test, high-octane show, and I got that all purely from the golden tones of, of one each to Ryazel when he opened up the show, brother, because I was listening to it, and I could just hear those good vibrations coming off, coming off and I was like, oh, it's going to be a good one. I'm feeling it. I feel the energy. It's like electricity running through the crowd right now. I'm ready. Awesome. <laughs> uh, good stuff, man. Uh, and of course, I am Pokey Draven. I help uh, host the show here, and I play a lot of Monster Hunter. I love that game. We'll talk about it later. But let's get started with some of an uh, interesting topic. We don't normally kind of dig into technology too much. That's usually not kind of in our wheelhouse, but this one kind of uh, perked my interest due to our, you know, unofficial... Um, I won't say fixation, but we, we've done a lot of work with CCP games, and they're based out of Iceland. So I happened to notice this news coming out of Iceland, and the fact that a guy I work with uh, in my company has been investing in a little thing called Bitcoin lately, and, and doing actually pretty well. I think he managed to pull out before it dropped. So this story was was kind of interesting. I thought we kind of throw it in there because uh, you know it, it's a little different. So 
for those of you who have heard about Bitcoin but don't know what Bitcoin is, I'm not going to go into the depths of that, the. That's like a whole show. Yeah. Song, bro. Yeah. So I'm going to give like the bare bones explanation of what this is. If you're like well versed, you're probably going to be screaming at me because I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm just going to kind of give you the, the oversimplified version. So Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, which means that it is a currency which exists entirely in like a digital space. Like it's not like dollars, dollar bills, change, nothing like that. When they say Bitcoin, it, it's more of a concept of, of a currency that, that isn't physically real. It's not based off of any particular country. It's not based off of like gold or anything like that. You, you are not like just, just so everybody's tracking. Um, if you know anything about how finances work, like macro finances, when you are trading futures or you're trading currency, you're not trading money. You're trading the idea of money. Exactly. And cryptocurrency is not even trading the idea of money. You're trading the idea of shit that ain't money. Just so everybody's for, for realsies on this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is something that is if you you know look at the look at the value of Bitcoin like over time, like on like a line graph, you'll see why I don't invest in it because it's all over the place. Um, and it's built almost entirely around speculation. Um, it increases let, in value because let, let me put it this way. It's it's literally a video game. Like you, yeah. you, you are quite literally playing a video game because if the exact concept of cryptocurrency, like now there, now there's, there's two ends of this one. It goes all the way back to the whole data mining piece, which, which really that's what Pokey's going to talk about in a minute. But the, I, the concept of cryptocurrency, which is an offshoot of data mining uh, of like cooperative or collective data mining. Like what that is, is effectively is if you took some multicolored pieces of paper put your face on it and the numbers one, five and 10, and then started using, trying to use them as money. That in a very real sense is exactly what Bitcoin, uh, like uh, Fritcoin and uh, through site light year, all these different, there's multiple different kinds of cryptocurrencies. That's no different. If you literally took colored sheets of paper, put a picture of your ass on it and then put a number and said, it's worth this. That's exactly what it is, but it's all in digits. Yeah, and you're as a group agreeing that it has value, and there's nothing to back it up. Like normally, you've got, um, you know, like the U.S. dollar is backed by the U.S. government. The government says this is what the value of the dollar is. You know, it it buys this. This is you know what it is. It, it's printed by us. It's controlled by us. Um, this is the value. With a cryptocurrency, it's everyone just kind of agreeing together that it has value. But like Jay said, it's basically the same as monopoly money. You're you're printing money, writing it on with a crayon, and going, "Well, we all agreed that this is worth five bucks, right?" And everyone goes, "Yeah, sure," you know, which sounds you know weird because it is because that's extremely volatile because there's nothing to stabilize it. It's very unstable. And when the value goes up, it's because people think it's going to be worth more. It's entirely speculative. And that makes it extremely volatile because once it starts to crash, it tends to like hit rock bottom real quick. And that's just the nature of, of how this works. So when we say it's like printing, you know, with crayon on a piece of paper, um, that is, and I won't go into the details of how like blockchain works, but effectively you can use a computer to verify the whole Bitcoin system. We'll just leave it at that. And it, this requires you to run calculations of the computer over and over and over again. Um, and that in itself kind of helps stabilize the system that this whole thing is built around. And because there's no central bank that's doing this for you, it's reliant upon 
many users together working to verify that everything is accurate and, and correct and that sort of thing. And this is known as Bitcoin mining. And the way that they, the reason they call it mining is because you are rewarded by verifying this thing um, with Bitcoin. So effectively you, you check the whole system with your computer to make sure everything's correct. And in, as a reward, you, you get a piece of the system, you get some money. Um, and I think that you actually are paid out when you happen to notice discrepancies. Like when you find a mistake in the system, that's when you get, um, you know, your payouts that they call it mining because you may or may not actually make money from doing this. Um, you just got this computer running in the background and it's doing these checks over and over. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, hey, you get, you know, one one hundredth of a Bitcoin or whatever, and this is worth this much currently. And that's your payout for helping maintain the system. Now, people have recently been doing this with uh, graphics cards because graphics cards, in terms of power versus money, in what they need to do actually is a pretty good ratio. It's kind of the most efficient way to do it. And if you've noticed, if you're building a PC, why graphics cards are so expensive, it's well, Bitcoin has been going up in price. Therefore, people want to get in on the market. So they're buying a graphics card to build a mining, a Bitcoin mining machine. And the demand is very high for these pieces of hardware. So that's why they're getting more expensive. So don't buy a PC right now, or at least don't buy a, a graphics card right now because you're paying too much for it. But with this comes the fact that you have to power this computer somehow, right? So, you know, you're running this thing at like full speed all the time, which, you know, if you know anything about computing, you know, the, the more, you know, processes, the more calculations you're doing, the more power it's going to be using. So, you know, this thing's going to be cooking along and it's, you're actually spending money. I mean, you got to kind of do this cost benefit analysis. If I'm spending a lot of money to buy the power to run the computer to make the money, um, and that's kind of, it's becoming an important thing because some people have like multiple machines in their house doing this, right? The thing is, is that for whatever reason, Iceland of all places has become a central hub for Bitcoin mining in that a lot of people are, for whatever reason, there's a, there's these shops set up in, in, in Iceland where they're mining Bitcoin. And it's gotten to a point now where the power company, the major power company for Iceland, it's not a big place, but the major power company is saying that in 2018, the power consumption from Bitcoin farms will exceed the power consumption from all of the ho the homes in Iceland combined. So Iceland is literally spending more money to farm Bitcoin in terms of power than they are to actually, you know, heat their own homes, which is absolutely insane. And they've even followed up and said that there's planned Bitcoin um, uh, projects for 2018, like they're going to build more of these things. And there's not going to be enough power in the country to actually run all of it. Like they're like maxing out and when you're on a tiny little island uh there's there's kind of a hard limit to that i mean hawaii kind of deals with this as well i mean i work in the en energy industry and i hear a lot of stories about hawaii and how they have to deal with you know limited sources of power and iceland is, is kind of in a similar situation so you know <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think that you know we're we're in this energy crisis but we're now spending more than we do in our energy consumption for our houses to farm money that literally doesn't exist and it's written on pieces of you know construction paper with a crayon it's just it's mind-boggling that it's gotten that intense and, and this isn't like a global thing this is just iceland but you know it's happening elsewhere but it's just this is kind of an extreme case and kind of shows a trend of how much people are actually banking on this thing well one of the you know, so the original concept with uh the actual data mining things, there used to be a box that you could put on your computer, which I think it's still sort of what they have now. I think some kind of big, you know, like kind of dongle you put on your computer. It's actually designed, it's just, it uses collaborative, like CPU power. 
Uh, and they used to actually give you like real money. You would actually get a check when this first, when actual, when, you know, if you wanted to like use your computers and stuff like that to, you know, like basically rent out CPU power. Like I, I, I what I don't know is when they transitioned from giving real money and it could have, you know, you get like a check for like 17 cents or something like that, like one month. And, you know, if you just plugged it into your laptop and let it run for a month, it, like they were able to make people were able to make some some real money off of it at some point. I, what I don't know is when they how they transferred from that to the cryptocurrency, which sounds like a phenomenal fucking P.T. Barnum scam. I mean, that was like, right. That's world class level stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> so is Iceland is Iceland popular for this because they don't have to cool the computers; they can just like open a window. Uh, that, that's actually not a not a bad thought. I mean, it is it is cool there, and you wouldn't have to deal with like if you set up in Florida or Texas, where you're going to have to deal with cooling costs. Iceland is you know it's cold, you know, and that's that's actually a good point. I didn't think of it that way, but that could be the case. It gets cold in Florida. No, it doesn't. Babe. No, babe, no it compared doesn't. to a computer, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been inside a server room in like a corporate office? They keep that shit real cold because I they have to. They do. Yeah. But yeah. So if, if you want, you know, my, my personal opinion about Bitcoin, uh, stay the hell away from it unless you're, you know, just kind of playing around with a very small amount of money just so you can be involved. But if you're going like all in on this stuff because you think you're going to make it rich, um, you probably are not going to. And it's, it's scary stuff. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for Bitcoin Jesus to help you out, you probably should have got in the Bitcoin thing a couple of years ago. Or, or oh yeah, probably. Well, I think well, four or five years ago, Bitcoin was worth uh, things like eleven cents per Bitcoin. Now it's about sixteen. Or what? At its height, it was about sixteen grand. And I don't know what it is now, but a lot of people, a lot, 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 lot of people that put a lot of money into it in the last year don't have that money anymore. It looks like one Bitcoin right now at the time of recording is over $10,000. Yeah. So that's probably gonna, like it jumped up from there. It plateaued around nine or 10 for a long time. Then it jumped up. But th like th th the thing that I always pay attention to is when you, you're asked, when you get people asking hard questions about it, it's like there, there's nothing to back it up. It's purely based on human group dynamics. Like there, there's, I mean, you say a lot of the stock market is, but at least there you're pointing to a thing often. There's something you can, there's some anchoring item or thing that you're working with. Whereas this, it's purely mob rule almost. It's like whichever way the most group of people is running at one point in time, regardless of what's going on in the world, um, that that's, that's what you're a slave to in terms of like what you're, which, where your money's going. So that's that's my that's my shout out to, to everybody that should be maybe a tad bit conservative about Bitcoin and you know look at doing some other shit like I don't know just saving some money for a little while then start looking to you know invest in something. Yeah, I mean to put it in perspective, it's currently ten grand, which sounds like a lot. And but when you look back at January this year, so like a month ago, it was twenty grand more or less. So that's where it like spiked was at double of what it's currently at, and like a month later. It's half of that, and the trend is pretty much like a roller coaster straight down. So yeah. like, that's wait, what you're dealing with. I've, I've seen people like I've literally I've I have like known people that have pulled money out of their retirement fund to buy Bitcoin, and I and and to a man, I warned all of them. I was like, "Hey, bro, um, not I'm not thinking that's a good idea, but you know, it's your money. You're a grown man. Just uh, you know, just 
giving you a heads up. I, I think you might want to might want to watch out for this. Sure as shit, not not less than two weeks later, the bottom fell out. Yep. Like I said, the guy at work, um, he was a little bit smarter about it. He put like I think like a grand into it, tripled his money, but then pulled out his original investment. So he was just playing with the profits at that point. Lost all of it, but he still had the thousand he originally put in because he pulled out of it. So I mean, if you're gonna play around with this stuff, you know, I'm not much of a gambling man myself, but if it's looking real good, you might want to take out what you started with just to be sure that you've, yeah. you know, you've, you, you, you have you, at no point can you actually lose anything at that point because you're just playing around with profits. Then you're kind of in a safe place to to kind of play around with and, and play the gambling game. But people who dump their retirement into that and then just let it ride, I, you know, like I'm with you, Jay. It's like that's not a good idea, man. Like. If you want to mess around just a little bit, that's fine. But God damn, be careful with this stuff because it is scary. I mean, just look at the trend. You see it go up and it spikes like crazy. And now it's going straight down again. And yeah. people ruin their lives over this stuff. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, like I said, you just drop a grand or two in it. It's something you can afford to lose. And it's it, it, and just kind of see how it goes. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a sign of the times is, is the way I would refer mm-hmm. to it. As, as Harry Styles said it better than I did. <laughs> And like the weird thing about it to me is that it's always trading, right? So like your normal stock market, you close at four and you can kind of get in some after hour stuff, right? If I understand it correctly. But, and, but, you know, trading basically stops for the day. Well, because everybody in the world is trading all day long, all 24 hours of the day, your prices could go up and down in the middle of the night. So you could miss your time to pull out potentially. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, one of the things, so here's one of, one of the unusual things about uh, Bitcoin. Now, by the way, this is largely unregulated by the government. This is the other mm-hmm. thing. So there's two things going on. One, it's a volatile volatile financial you know, mechanism anyway. But if it actually makes money over time, the government will regulate it. That That's a thing. And it kind of has to. But right now, it's, it's more or less effectively unregulated. So it, you can do things that are tacitly and patently illegal uh, if you were trading stocks. So for example, it is very common with cryptocurrency trading that you'll there'll be these huge subreddit groups or huge chat room groups, like thousands and thousands of people, and they will time their buys and sells as a block, not a blockchain, but as a block of people. So that that way, they're like, okay, we are all going to sell at this time between 6 and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. And then they start a swell that you can track. And this is very, very common. And this is one of the things you have to have to understand. Again, it is, you're trading on the idea of something that's not money. So it's not like you can even tie that currency back to national stability. You can't tie trading coffee futures back to the hurricane that's hitting Belize in South America. You, you, there's nothing controlling it but the whims of people that can organize it, the ability to control. So like, I, like, I, like we got a guy like that uh, works very close with me. He's a big, big time Bitcoin guy. And he showed me all this. I mean, he, he sat down with me for a few hours and I went through and, and took a look at it. And he's like in all these different message groups and chat, like, you know, subreddits. And I mean, these are huge, like thousands of people in it. And they all, and they have like a few people that are like, all right, so we need to have a big push on like a Litecoin or, you know, whatever. There's like, so there's a bunch of different currencies. And so they'll time their buys and sells in in anything but in anything but cryptocurrency that is illegal. <laughs> so so that should kind of tell you a little bit about how this thing works. Yeah, and I mean, learned the cryptocurrency movement was to 
you know, be the counter to uh, um, regulated, you know, money. And that's that's kind of their way. They wanted to get away from it. But <laughs> just in my, my personal political views, it's illegal for a reason because it was really bad because it wasn't regulated. And that's why I shy real far away from this stuff. It's just it's it's scary. And, you know, everyone can make the choice for themselves. But you really got to research exactly how this stuff works and don't just jump on it because it sounds like it's a quick cat, you know, quick buck. Like you can get screwed real quick with this. You got to be careful. Okay. So now that we've cleared up our, our first uh, finance segment of the show, I think we'll move back to our usual, uh, <laughs> our usual wheelhouse here. So uh, ready player one got a new trailer. Um, pretty good stuff. Did you guys check it out? I'm sorry. What'd you say, man? You cut out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, ready player one got a new trailer. Did you guys check it out? Word. Looks good. I saw a little Mario Kart in there. They, they, there's always something new I spot. In I saw, these. I saw a little bit of a lot of things in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of these are kind of the same. It's more like here, we're going to throw little chunks with Easter eggs at you every few weeks, you know, with these trailers. It, it's not really any story enlightening things, but uh, they're always kind of fun to come out. I'm like, that was okay. That was Mario Kart. Sweet. You know, and there's a couple others I think that popped up in there, but uh, I'm, I'm so hyped for this film. I'm very excited. It's going to be good. That had to be a lot of fun to assemble the licensing. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can only imagine. It truly makes me wonder because when you look at all, like I've been, like I remember when the uh, when the first trailer dropped, I sat there and kind of reviewed it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time, maybe 15, 20 minutes, just writing down all the things I saw like on a tablet and then did a real quick, who owns these things? And it's not like, hey, this is all like Sony's stuff or hey, this is all this guy. Like, there's shit everywhere in that movie. So I like I, I have no idea how they how they pulled this one off. Other I mean, you never know. This could be like people are doing Spielberg or solid and saying, Yeah, bro, you can use whatever, you know, just as a freebie. Some people probably do, but it, it's pretty amazing, like when you look at some of the stuff going on there. There are companies that I know though, like Nintendo doesn't give anyone a freebie for anything oh no so no. you know no they don't yeah japanese companies are not usually very altruistic so trust me that's not a it's not, get, it's not happening i mean if you've talked to youtubers that try to you know just stream nintendo stuff and get Ooh. shut down because they're like yeah no we're gonna monetize that and we yeah. get the money for it it's it's rough they're very brutal youtube's a tough business nowadays that's, that's a whole hey hey folks if you're ever out there and you you want to know why we don't do like a youtube show i like we like we can have a, we can have an episode on just that and we can go into some level of detail about how how fucked up that game is <laughs> yeah like if you're trying to make a living on youtube it's rough right now like it's real rough um that's why what we do with like dungeon crawl it's more of a i'm putting it out there and that's it i don't monetize i don't care you know any cost that i incur from making it is on me um because i wouldn't want to mess with what youtube is doing right now it's just a it's crazy yeah, but, but yes yeah, so, oh, i'm no, i'm just sorry in short uh you know the the trailer doesn't other than some eye candy, I don't know that it adds a whole lot to what's going on really with the, with the movie. It's, it's a relatively simple premise. Uh, and I don't think they're in the point of giving too much away. Now, that being said, I kind of give a little bit of room for you. If, if it's a really well-known property and you know, that like a lot of people beef with like uh, Marvel trailers and star Wars trailer, like any big name trailer, they're like, you know, holy crap, you're giving the whole movie away. But effectively, you know, they, Warner Brothers is horrendous at this, by the way. Uh, they literally could just give you the whole movie. And then at some point they'll release like eight minutes of footage that that are like the cliff notes of the entire movie. 
I, I hate that. I, I absolutely despise that. I think Ryan Johnson did a pretty good job with the last Star Wars movie, trying to keep some of that shit close to his vest. And he was surprisingly successful too. So this one doesn't, doesn't really spoil anything necessarily uh, that you didn't know from the other trailers perhaps, but the fact that it's a, a very, very well-known pop science fiction book, um, I, I really don't care if you spoiled anything in it because it's, I mean, you, you can like Google and figure it out real quick if you wanted to really, or you may have already read the book and that's what makes you interested in, um, you know, in the movie. And in fact, that's where a lot of the, the kind of the groundswell hype comes from is people that read the book. So overall, uh, I, I think it looks pretty sharp. I'm actually kind of intrigued. I, like the, the little lead guy that's in there. What was his name? The little, the, the protagonist lead. Oh, sure. like I, I cannot remember. I, I totally, blew this off and didn't look this up in my show notes but i think i've seen that i've seen that kid somewhere else i can't think of where though but he he seems seems pretty good i'm kind of interested to see how they're going to do they definitely have changed a few of the other characters around him i can kind of tell that already uh from how the books are uh so you know maybe not bad just different so i'm kind of interested to see how that goes yeah, and so that one is coming out. Uh, I'm looking at it again to see if there's a big Halo section there. Um, that one's coming out uh, March. Let me see here, March 29th. So we're looking at just a little over a month here. So I'm I'm really really stoked for this one. This is gonna be fun. So we'll of course be covering that one as we uh, move along here. And I'm sure we'll probably get maybe one or more trailers before then. They seem to be kind of pumping these out pretty a little more regularly than I think most films do. Usually get like one or two, but I've seen. I think maybe five so far. Um, it's just, they've been all over the place. So it's good stuff. Uh, and of course, another film that I know Zell is very excited for, and I'm pretty stoked for as well, is The Incredibles 2. Finally got a trailer that I think came out during the Olympics. It was kind of their mm-hmm. their debut was run during the Olympics. So uh, did you guys see this one as well? Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this. That's It's the it best looks good. Four movie we've yep. seen yet, probably. And yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is they, they did... It's got a, a fair bit of kind of playful commentary about superhero franchises in general. And there is, but since, the, I mean, the last movie was in 2004, which was four movies, four, four years before Iron Man. So they have a lot of new material to play with. Jay, did you say Fantastic Four like two seconds ago? Yeah, I, I okay. Like, okay. My, run, Just... my running joke with the original Incredibles <laughs> was that it was the best Fantastic Four movie that has been put out yet. <laughs> it and actually this one's going to be better than probably than the, than the last one. It, it looks it looks hilarious with like Mr. Incredible being kind of pushed to the stay at home dad uh, position, and it was funny because Livy and I were actually talking about um, like literally three days ago before I even saw this trailer about how. Uh, the way they teach math in school has changed so significantly. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And how, and how parents are complaining about how they changed it. And then in the film, he's like, this isn't how you do math. This, this is how you're supposed to do math. And he's like, that's how they're teaching it now. Dad He's like, I, I don't understand it. You know, um, it was pretty funny. So I, I think this is going to be, you know, in like Zell said, it's a superhero film, but it's also kind of not because it's really about the lives of superheroes, not so much what they actually do as superheroes. And I think it's going to be pretty funny. No, they 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 did a really good job with the first one. I've been kind of waiting on this to for something like this to come out for a long time. I was very stoked when they announced it. So, uh, you know, I'm game. I'm certainly I'm certainly you know bring the kid and you know like little Jason and we're 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 moving out. We're gonna go check this one out when it hits. Yeah, because it's been wow. It came out in 2004, so it's been 14 years since. Jeez, that's a really long time. <laughs> I didn't even realize it's been that long. Yeah, so I think people are, are going to be real excited for this one. It's going to do well. Um, 
And the movie is supposed to take place like immediately following the end of the last one. Like there is no time skip of any sort. Um, Like, yeah, they they literally they the movie ended with them like uh, the underminer showing up at the end of the movie. And uh, that is literally exactly where this movie is going to start. So uh, 14 years in like, you know, seconds. I'm trying to see what day this is set to come out. Let me look here real quick. May 29th. That sounds right. No, it's uh, June 15th. So still a ways yeah, to go, but uh, we'll get some we'll get some good uh, some good trailers on the way there. So I'm pretty excited. Basically the same day. Yeah, it's basically the same. That sounds about right, give or take a month or two. All right, so bait, buddy, I haven't seen it. Jay hasn't seen it. I don't think Zell's seen it. Um, so no spoilers. We won't do spoilers for a couple of weeks. But what were your initial thoughts on Black Panther? Uh, I'm going to tread very carefully when talking about this movie for a number of reasons. <sighs> It was. It is not as good as I feel like everybody is hyping it up to be. It's pretty all right. Um, some of the characters are interesting, I guess. I only found one that was that was particularly interesting, uh, personally. Clearly, Bates a racist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, clearly, God, and that's the thing that's annoyed me about this whole movie was is is the you know I'm I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Um. So when it opened on Thursday, apparently, which I hadn't realized, I didn't realize that I saw it on opening day, but there was like nobody in the theater, um, which kind of concerned me about how well the movie is, looks like it's going to do as far as making back the 250 or 200, 250 million dollars that they spent on the movie. Uh, they're expe- they're expected to make almost all of it back this weekend alone. Oh, are they really okay? Because oh, because Thursday they had um, I checked at the end of the day. I think I checked like lunchtime on Friday, and it was like they had made twenty five million dollars just on opening. They're they're um, gonna keep telling everybody it's the best movie ma- movie they've ever made I until know. enough people go see it to I, make their money back. I know. Which, by the way, for the record, Kevin Feige's already saying that that this is the best Marvel movie ever made. And I got a record is that it is it. That's the thing though. Everybody's but, saying but it's, it, the best it's, but it's incredibly subjective, though. Like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it's not. I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I'm just like, I like, I'm interested. I want to see it. It, I mean, I'm interested in seeing this one. I see most of these Marvel movies, and I'm interested in seeing this one. But there's a, and you know, there's a little tinge of like, I think people really want it to be good. Too. They do, they do, and there are parts of it that are good, right? The the CGI of uh, of Wakanda is really good. It looks pretty, but there are some some story points for me that just are like kind of dropped the ball on that one, or that was kind of unnecessary. Uh, what else was I going to say? Yeah, I, I mean that, that that's about it. I, I think people are overhyping it. Um, I, I I did see uh, the when I ordered my tickets on on Wednesday. Um, that it had a 98% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think that's the last time I'm going to look at Rotten Tomatoes before I go to see a thing, or before I go to see a movie, because I went in expecting that that 98% was like, oh my God, this is the best movie since whatever the greatest movie, you know, is. Right. And eh, it's not the worst Marvel movie, but it certainly isn't the best. Well, yeah, I think the Rotten Tomatoes thing is, in this particular case, might be not so accurate. Yeah, you know, it's only done by like three people, right? Rotten Tomatoes. Like, like, yes. So so it's kind of like Metacritic. So there's the 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 actual Tomato score is literally like that's like 
bait and Jay go to the movies. Like, what do you give it? I give it a five. Fuck it. I give it a six and a half. Okay. And like that. So, okay. It's like partly fresh. <laughs> now, yeah, now, okay. but, but there's a, but then there, I think you also got to look at the, like there's, it's kind of like the critic reviews. Then there's the audience review or the people reviews. That's why I, that is one of the reasons I do like Metacritic because they separate those two things. Um, and, and you can kind of, you kind of weave through them a little bit better. Mm, okay. But uh, there was also the issue that I think uh, there was, I think it was a white supremacist group was threatening to basically review bomb the the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, thing. I heard that. And they might have, you know, in 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 Rotten Tomatoes, you know, replied saying we're gonna, you know, keep an eye on this and make sure that that doesn't happen. You run risk of, you know, if you're deleting reviews of, you know, that were unfair or whatever, there's a chance you can overcorrect. And, you know, some people may just not like the film and you delete them thinking that it's part of that. Um, so in this case, I look at Rotten Tomatoes going like, eh, you know, well, I'm not really sure if I'm going to trust that particular one since it was kind of a big news point for a while there. But, you know, I like to talk to people usually who have actually seen it, who I know, and I know their tastes and, and what they're going to expect and in, in, in based off of that rather than just one review site because you never know, you know, who did what to manipulate that score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so right now it's it's got about seventy six percent for the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Okay, all right. In in ten seconds or less, what is the plot of the movie? Um, without spoiling it. A, oh come on! So a lot of black <laughs> people and they go to Wakanda in some spaceships. Oh, bait. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. Okay. All right. For the well, record, none of us actually can identify bait. Uh, outside of his voice, and he may be using a voice changer. We're not entirely sure he lives in Florida. Uh, he, he could he could be in Oregon, for all we know. We just we he, it's just what he's he's a guy on the internet, and we have to kind of go with what he says, you know. So, like, yeah. I just want to make it clear that nobody else in the show has got really close ties to bait or or anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I, I'm going to try to check this one out. Um, Hopefully in the next week or two. It's been kind of busy, so we'll we'll see when I get out to see it. But uh, in about two weeks, we'll probably do our kind of spoilerific uh, final review once you know everyone who's going to see it goes and sees it. So you'll be spoiler free for the next few weeks, but uh, in probably about two, you'll have to you know either cover your ears or accept the fact that uh, you're going to two weeks. Man, that's that's the that's the current law. Two weeks. That, it's actually <laughs> it's actually a law. Yes. So we'll see in two weeks, and we'll give our our final thoughts on Black Panther once we go check it out. So speaking of final thoughts, Jay, Altered Carbon. I know we talked about this last week, and it sounds like you finished it. So what do you think? Uh, pretty excellent. Uh, so it, it is a, it is kind of your standard Netflix binge fare. Uh, it's a 10-episode season. Uh, I was about – I was pretty much all done with the first episode when I talked to you guys last time. And I, I powered through uh, the rest of the 10 over a couple, three days. And extremely well done. I, I – like Netflix by and large, you know, I would say their, their batting average is somewhere around 800. You know, they, they about eight out of 10 times they put something out. It's pretty solid. This is clearly on the good side of that. Uh, the actors are, some of them are, are a little bit, you know, kind of not one dimensional, but you know, they're not, they're not, nobody did a bad job in this movie. Let me put it that or in this show, but a few of them were definitely standouts. Um, some of the background characters were actually incredibly interesting. The whole world building that they did over the course of this was phenomenal. So uh, I, I highly recommend, highly recommend 
that folks go out and check out Altered Carbon. If you are in any way a cyberpunk, like kind of hardcore science fiction fan, uh, really, really recommend you go do it. It's definitely a Blade Runner slash uh, Matrix kind of vibe. Uh, the world building that they did. Now, this guy named Richard K. Morgan is a guy who wrote the books. He's he's written. He's a very popular fantasy and, and like hard sci-fi writer. Uh, writes kind of, a lot of things kind of like this, like noir type fantasy and sci-fi. Paints a beautiful picture. Like I don't know what their budget is to do these things, but they guarantee they squeeze a lot out of this. Um, and, and everything looks really solid. The premise is good. So uh, overall, uh, the things that captured me about it, the characters themselves are really fascinating. And it's kind of cool because you get to see the main the main character, uh, Kovach, uh, Takashi Kovach. You see him in four different versions of himself because that's like one of the major premises of the world is you can um, basically jack into or download into other bodies or clones. Very similar to kind of how EVE Online clones work. Um, so effectively you can kind of become immortal and, and it's, there's a have and there's a dramatic have and have nots sort of society in the, in, in this world. Um, and, and it, it sets up these really fascinating story twists and story arcs because of the way you can move between bodies. So you actually see four different versions of the protagonist over the course of 10, uh, you know, the 10 episodes. Now it's, it's Joel Kinnaman, the guy that played in uh, suicide squad and RoboCop. He's the, he's the main one that you follow throughout, but you'll see in the, in flashbacks, essentially three other versions of him in different situations in his life uh, that are done really well. There's one episode that I, I got to give mad props to this character actor. Uh, and by the time we do shout outs, I'll have his name. I'll, I'll look it up. He, you know, he's essentially, he's probably about six, six, you know, six, five, six, six, big bald guy, tattoos, biker looking dude, you know, you know, face tattoos and shit, uh, big burly white guy. And he has to portray in the same episode, three wildly different characters. And he does a phenomenal job. So he's the big biker guy that gets that, that dies like in the police station that gets killed in the police station. So when you, when you die, they just use your meat body. They preserve the meat body real quick if they can get to it. There's no real injury to it. And then they upload the next, you know, somebody that needs a free body, you know, because that's everybody's entitled to a free body, but you don't get to pick the one you get. So, you know, it's, it's kind of come as come can. Uh, so he goes from that to a, uh, a Spanish grandmother uh, consoling her family on the day of the dead, like where she comes, gets to come back for it. She wants to come back for a day and like talk to her family. Then she goes, but put, get, her consciousness is put back on cold storage, so to speak. Um, and then he plays a, uh, a Russian mobster. It, it is, it's phenomenal. Like the guy did a really, really bang up job. Uh, and, and that's the kind of things that, that you see in here. And the, and it's really kind of centered around a murder mystery. That's sort of the premise of the, of the, you know, that's sort of the, the thing that threads all the episodes together is that the, uh, the protagonist is trying to solve and solve a murder mystery. Uh, I won't get into too too many details. Certainly won't spoil it. But the way they actually go about it and explain it is is quite good. And there are there are a few plot twists in there that I didn't see coming. Which you know, for the record, I'm, I'm usually I I give people you know some you know, extra credit for that because usually I don't I don't I don't I don't get uh, get let off the scent too too much with that kind of stuff. So overall, looks good, uh, well acted, very well written, uh, high 
I, I think they're going to make a second. They're, they're clearly going to make a, a second, a uh, second season, which will be fascinating because in the last one, they, they absolutely set the premise up that, that many of the major characters are going to change uh, either through having a new body or literally just, they're just not needed. And, you know, they're not, maybe not dead, but they're just not needed in whatever the next season series will be. So pretty, pretty, pretty good. Overall, highly recommended. At least just watch watch like the first the first episode, maybe two, uh, and just if you if you like cyberpunk stuff at all or any of that kind of noir science fiction. All right, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I need to do check that one out. I've got like a whole I got a whole list of stuff to watch. It's it's frustrating because I can't get to it all, but this is definitely on that list of things I want to see. Uh, I like the genre, and you know, if if you think it's good, I'm sure it's it's quite good. So I'll be sure to check that one out, and uh, yeah, I'll let you know what I think once I do. Okay, so did everyone do their homework from last week? Did you all watch the uh, Overwatch League or anything like that? It's good. Jay, Dino Jay did. Bait, Zell, did you do it? No. <sighs> Killing me. Killing Kill me. me. I actually watched some of it, folks. Um, I would like to tell you this: this is, in fact, a professional broadcast. We do yeah. actually have a, a full production staff of two, maybe three people, counting Pokey and Levy. And it, it and we normally, I, I just want to apologize to all of the millions of biomaniacs out there. We 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 do better than this. We the cl- yeah. the four horsemen do better than this normally. I just. I'm not. I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just like I'm casually looking over to my left, as though two members of the podcast were sitting, and I could just stare at them, as though I'm scolding them silently in a boardroom meeting with my eyes right now. But they're not here, so I'm doing it kind of in my head. And I'm just projecting my thoughts to the people out there in the podcast. So just bear with yeah. me. Yeah. I would like to apologize yeah, so. to all the Biomass fans for being called biomaniacs. Because <laughs> holy shit, you can't call them that. Oh uh, my god! If, if you make if you make me go into the Hulk the Hulkster voice at, at some point in this, I'm not prepared to do that right now. But if you bring that out, I cannot be held liable for what happens. Oh my gosh, that's good stuff. Um, All right, so but, Pokey, what did you? What? Let's me and you have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. What, what did you think about the Overwatch League? So I, I, I wanted to try something. I, I found like a, and I didn't get to watch it streaming. So I was watching a recording of it, but I found like a recording of the broadcast. Right. And so I wanted to try this because I don't know a ton about overwatch, like specific details. I obviously know I've played a little bit of it. I, I know the characters for the most part, but I don't know like all the lingo and that sort of thing. So I pulled this up and I had it going in my headphones. I just closed my eyes and listened to it um, just to kind of catch on to the vibe of what they were going for. It honest to God sounds like a sports show. If you don't yes. know the words, if you <laughs> yes. don't know, like when they say, you know, uh, McCree, McCree or whatever, you don't know Mercy, you just, you're listening to the tone and the way they say it and how they talk about gameplay. You're like, this is a sporting event. Like they had to have hired people to do specifically the sporting event voice because they, they nailed it. Like it, it sounds like you're watching football or baseball or, or whatever. It's just faster paced because overwatch is crazy um they nailed that so then i started actually watching it and they even got like the whole like players come running out of the gate and there's fucking fog and all kinds of shit and except instead of like you know six foot two linebackers they're like five foot five guys with jack-in-the-box logos on their chest but they're there and they look excited and they're running out um with corporate sponsorship and all so you know in terms of overall feel like yeah, like they're really trying hard to make this like a sporting event and they're kind of invoking imagery and the sounds you would expect if you were watching 
like a legit sporting, like actual running around, tackling, throwing sporting event, but for this game instead. So I, I you can really tell that like we talked about last week when they say they're going all in on this. They really are. Like they are trying very hard to get that feel and, and have it be seen and treated like that. I'd say they're not quite there yet, but they've got a real good first attempt and I fully expect them to actually push it through and make it feel, you know, entirely legitimate in the in that goal. So uh, like uh, when you pull up the, the and there's an actual overwatchleague.com, by the way, like, so I, I do recommend you take a look at that. And they've got like a breakdown of who all their on-air talent is. Uh, and, and most of them are people that have been predominantly overseas, by the way, like in Asia, like they've been uh, calling esports for quite a while. And there's a few uh, like former, uh, former professional, professional gamers, things like that. And several of them, I'll just read this one. Uh, so, uh, Soa Geschwind uh, from Switzerland. She's a Swiss commentator and host. Over the past 10 years, she's casted and hosted global events such as BlizzCon, uh, WCS, GamesCon, WCG, the International, and E3. She hosts daily esports show on German TV in 2016, moved to Versailles, France, and she works as an associate esports manager and on-screen talent for Blizzard. Uh, she, she's like the like the super like the super cute uh, girl with like the big sleeve tattoos and stuff that you saw if you, if you caught her. Um, and, but a, a lot of the other, other folks have very similar type, uh, uh, very similar type uh, kind of, you know, curriculum vitae, if you will. Uh, a lot of prof- former professional gamers, stuff like that. So they actually went out and found people that knows how they know how to do broadcasting. Yep. And it, so overall, like the, the quality of the broadcast is actually it's pretty solid. It's it's definitely got a a well produced uh, sort of event uh, events event feel to it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty surprised, guys. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like I, I, I how much do you watch Pokey? About 20, 30 minutes, maybe. Yeah, I watch about a half an hour. Yeah, I I caught yeah, probably it's a little about twenty twenty five minutes or something like that. Um, I was pretty surprised how good it was. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen, and I'm like League of Legends. I got a friend who watches League of Legends. He's always pushing videos to me, and I'm like, I don't know this game. Like, I don't care. Um, but you know, I've watched a few to 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 humor him. And you know, when you hear esports, you're thinking this big stadium with like you know a million dudes watching this little you know like professional wrestling ring with like ten guys in it playing you know a MOBA, and it's all flashy lights and crazy and it's like okay you know they're they're having a good time it's, it's kind of cool you know I've commented in the past about how I'm impressed that it it got that big this was not that over the top it felt much more grounded down to earth like it was still you know get hype exciting but it wasn't like this crazy over the top thing it was a very well done nice stage with you know a fairly small audience you know it was clearly meant for more of a broadcast rather than in you know, in person event um but the level of professionalism i think in terms of you know especially with kind of the aesthetic that overwatch goes for it was really on point with with trying to make it feel like it's it's meant to be something that's serious and not over the top. Um, and they did a really good job at it. And I think that I, I was very impressed. I was, it was not what I was expecting. Um, it was definitely better than what I thought it would be. Uh, I don't know the game well enough to really get into this particular one, but if games that I did care about were, you know, done to this level of quality, I would probably watch it because it is, it is very well done. Yeah. So, um, 
if you go to overwatch.com under video, they've got a videos tab up at the top and they've got like a ton of different, like one to three minute, like short clips. And then they got recaps of all their shows and they're, they're all about 30 minutes, basically 30 to 40 minutes. But it, it, I would highly encourage you guys to, you know, just take a look at it. It's, it's actually, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm like straight up. I, I was very surprised and, and as Pokey said, you know, the quality of the production is pretty good. Now, what's interesting is be what their actual audience starts looking like. Now, and I think they've got to they've got to do a couple things in terms of like how they the games themselves. They do a pretty good job of showing the highlights. It's it's more than just like single player point of view. Like we're gonna follow player five, you know, and like watch him run around as you know Mercy or whatever. They do a much more dynamic cut and view of what's going on in the match. Um, so if you imagined you had like every player's Twitch stream, almost kind of going simultaneously, they can cut and move in. The only thing that I haven't seen that I wish that they would have something that would, and it wouldn't surprise me if Blizzard's kind of think about this, almost like a MOBA view where you can almost have like the eye in the sky cam kind of type type thing. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be really, really cool. If you could see that, like, and they could use that as an alternate view particularly from for people that don't know the maps that aren't intric- intricately aware of like the, you know how these map maps work which is a big that frankly that's a huge part of the part of the game it kind of gives you a sensing of where they're at and you know you can just see like you see like the little tracer blip you know like running up behind somebody and everybody starts screaming oh he's coming he's coming you know the, the, then you get to get the little one-on-one gunfight or whatever i i think from a like a uh production you know value or a kind of a, an audience value something like that would be really cool but otherwise overall it's pretty solid it's it's kind of neat to watch i'm very interested to see how this is going to work out this year yeah i'd like to see it kind of set a new standard for this sort of thing because like i said i'm not an overwatch player so this particular venue doesn't really draw me in but there are other games that you've done to this quality i'd be very interested in so i hope this kind of sets a new standard for how companies that are really serious about pushing kind of an esports sort of thing uh, would would present it and actually produce it. So, you know, we'll see. I think that Blizzard's probably one of the most well-equipped in the industry to actually pull this off on this scale. So you may not see it for other companies, but, you know, we can hope. So we'll keep an eye on it, and I think it should be good to see uh, how it evolves moving forward. Just kind of tabbing through this while y'all were talking, it's really twitchy. Like, Yeah, that, that was kind of that's, painful to watch. Yeah, I, I think that really, for me, at least was the worst part about it, was that when they would go into first person, these guys' sensitivity is up so damn high that you can't get, like, a good focus on what they're looking at or, or you know, or, or anything, really, because they're always moving. Um, and, and I like what Jay said there about maybe having some sort of top, down view of it right maybe off in the corner so if you were the kind of person who'd like to see that kind of twitchy first person perspective then you know you could still have that but for the rest of us you know who that makes your head hurt um you can look at that at that little map so if you so if you scroll down like towards the bottom you'll see the actual matches like and those things are like you know hour 45 minutes two hours long it's like the full Mm -hmm the full matches that, and before they start a match or before they start like a game, you do see like a, which you don't get in the game, an actual kind of flyover uh, of some kind of the actual map, which is really, really neat, but they don't really use that in game too much. Oh. 
that now they have I, I I'm assuming it's like a spectator view that almost like how you have like a ghost character that mm -hmm. can kind of follow around sometimes they'll do that to kind of give you a sense of uh, third person view kind of uh, so they have some different camera options and I think if they keep experimenting with that it's gonna It'll be a lot better for well, and like another thing that that I kind of picked up on almost instantly was I parts of those maps are so small and so claustrophobic that it kind of makes for bad camera work. Dude, do you understand right. what I'm saying? Where like you can't get you can't I know you can get the camera in there because you know you can fly through everything, but it doesn't work when you try to put the camera in. I think the maps are, are too yeah. small. If they had bigger maps, I think that were well. I don't know. Some, I mean, some of the maps are really big, but again, if you don't know the maps, you you don't have a sense of where the players yeah, are. I, I, you know, I like, guess not. You know what I'm saying? Like on a football field, you kind of understand where where the hell Herb is at in context. Well, but, but That's what you don't so have. Open. Like, there's no. No, no. I, yeah, no. Okay. I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, you don't have the context for the match because you're right. There's, there's like you're running down an alley, mm -hmm. or you're in a you're in a like a building or something like that. It's really hard to understand what's happening, um, and I think if they had some more blown out views, and then they could, if somebody's on like a hot streak or something like that, you jump down into their first person view for a minute or something like that. There's a lot of things. I, th I think the cool thing about this is uh, there's a lot that they can do with it. That's probably not that hard to do, yes. uh, and I think they're going to continue to get better because they do have some views that are sort of like a deep pulled back third person view. Um, that look really good when you're trying to follow the game. Uh, but you're right. It's a super one. It's a twitchy game yes. anyway. So you gotta, you gotta kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. So um, overall, uh, again, decent production value. I think they got some room to improve, but I, I'm interested to see how they do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, and, and the, the commentary seems to be, you know, obviously you have your commentators who know what they're talking about. Um, that's their job. Uh, but I, I feel like that they they do do a, um, a a good job of explaining you know kind of what's going on as far as best they can tell, uh, given what they can see. Yeah, no, I, I would say overall the commentators do a mm -hmm. really good job. And I think that's probably because they're they're used to they're used to calling esports is what it looks like most yeah. of them are. And and if you think about it, if almost pretty much any other sport. It's not moving as fast as as like a like an Overwatch match. Mm -hmm. There's like there's no fo only football games. You know, like everybody stops, talks about things for a little while, get together, and there's a, you know like ten seconds of action. Then you stop, you wait like another minute, and then there's another ten seconds of action. Like baseball's slow as hell. Oh, Basketball, it's it. There's more ebb and flow to it. You, you know, it's something like basketball might be the closest in terms of pace. Other than that, it's you know you get into professional wrestling, mm -hmm. wrestling territory or something like that, where there's like action constantly yep. that you've got to be talking about. So, well, and I think that, I mean, e even comparing it to, to other esports, not just any, any other, uh, yeah, athletic sport, we'll say, um, it, it, it's very quick, uh, which is good and bad, uh, in my opinion, but it's, it's something to get used to. I think, um, it, it does certainly lend itself to esports, unlike other games that you know are either are esports or have the potential to to kind of go um, to kind of go that route. Uh, I think the the first thing that comes to my mind is the uh, the alliance tournament for Eve Online that they have every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally see that 
being an eSport. Um, I mean, it's basically I, what it is now. I can't, but... Uh, yeah. As far as... The, well, yeah, but, I mean, the only people that, the only people that want to watch that yeah, are these people because it is a horrendous yes, spectator sport. Yes, it is. Like, it, it's slow. It, it's almost like football, right? In the fact that, you know, it stops, and then it picks up again, and then it'll stop, and it just, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. There's nothing exciting because all you see is like little dots circling <laughs> yeah. each other, and then people need like massive blown out views, and you're like, which, "Oh well, I'm down." Which I'm is what I, which is what I, whatever, wish you know what I mean? had, honestly at, at times, right? Um, but yeah, for sure. Um, I think what they could add though that I would like to see is I know some other games, just even in spectator mode, have this um, this option where you can outline people on your team so that you know oh, when yeah. you're dead yeah. or something, and you're spectating the one dude. You can see through the walls the outline of the other guys on your team. I, I think that would be really helpful because, mm-hmm. you know, the game being so twitchy, I'm having a hard time seeing who's on whose team uh, until there's a thing in the middle of the screen that says that, dude, I'm watching just eliminate the guy in front of me. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I guess he wasn't on your team. So that would be nice to have. Yeah, like I said, I think that they did a really good job. There's obviously some things they could do to improve. I like the, I like the top-down view thing. I think that would help a lot. For people who may not know the maps as closely, but want to kind of see how things are moving and, and kind of have that that audience perspective of like I know more than the players do, and you kind of it builds tension. It's it's like you know, um, it's like in literature you have the same thing where the where you as the reader know something but the characters don't. Um, I think that kind of can, can add to the fun of it all. So I think that there's some things they can improve on, but like I said, for a first attempt, very damn impressive. Like very. Very well done. So I got to give props to Blizzard. They they really hit it out of the park with this one. And I'm glad that Jay had us kind of take a look at it because um, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But actually sitting down and watching them do it was was pretty cool. So uh, good stuff. Okay, so the last thing that I kind of wanted to go into uh, for the show here is to give my more in-depth thoughts on Monster Hunter World. I've talked a bit about this for, you know, my initial thoughts as well as some of the events coming up. And we'll, of course, continue to cover the events because I intend to play this game for quite some time. But I did kind of want to give my final thoughts. And initially, I was going to wait until I, like, hit the end of the game. Um, But it's taking so long because there's so much damn content that I think I've gotten deep enough into the second half of the game, which is the high rank section, that I can give a pretty good idea of what I think of the game so far based off of just how it's been improving over time as I'm playing in that sort of thing. So this is going to kind of be my, my we'll say final review of Monster Hunter World, but I'll probably continue to talk about it because it's, it's really good. So uh, kind of take it from the top. So Monster Hunter World is put out by Capcom. Um, obviously, it's a very well-known uh, publisher in the you know, they've done quite a few number of games, including Street Fighter and Devil May Cry and that sort of thing. Um, and so they put this game out. Uh, the Monster Hunter series is very long running. Um, however, it hasn't been on console for quite some time. I think the last time there was a console version of it, it was PlayStation 2. So this came out on PS4, Xbox One, and will be coming to PC in a few months. But uh, it's been on handheld for a long time. And, and with handheld, you run into a lot of technical issues and I think that this was kind of their attempt of we want to make this game popular worldwide, um, which is kind of part of the name. And so far, it had kind of had a cult following in the West, um, but it was extremely popular in in Japan. And almost like it was almost kind of like their Call of Duty, where it was like it was just the game sold like crazy, and they were really really popular, really really you know did really well, and just kind of you know they kind of fell flat in in the U.S. 
And so this was kind of Capcom's attempt to bring it worldwide, bring it back to console, and try to make it more appealing to a wider you know, range of audiences. And from what the reviews say so far, my own experience, they were absolutely successful uh, with it. I had never played a Monster Hunter game until now. Um, I feel like I had been kind of missing out now that I've played one because it's really good. I, um, I don't think the other ones were like this one, though. I think no, ones, they were not. Well, like, I've never played any of these, uh, but my general impression from hearing people talk about it is like, this is a, a significant leap forward from the last versions of Monster yeah. Hunter. Yeah, it, it is in many ways. And, you know, coming in at this point is probably a good thing because I'm just like, holy crap, this is good. Um, but there are definitely elements that I would have enjoyed or would have liked to play in the previous games. But regardless, so here we're at a Monster Hunter World. So I picked this one up on PS4. I've been playing with a group of friends. Um, we've you know been giving it a shot. So um, kind of take it from the top. Uh, visuals, the game is absolutely gorgeous. Like, it's really, really good looking. Um, I'm playing on a normal PS4. Libby's actually right next to me playing on a PS4 Pro. And they've got like two settings for the Pro. Like one's like a higher resolution. One like locks the frame rate at 60 frames per second. Um, it looks fantastic on both. Obviously a little bit better on the Pro. But it's it's a very, very good looking game. The worlds are huge. Like we're not talking like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild huge. It's not that kind of open world. Like it's it's still contained within a reasonable amount of space. But I think what makes them feel so big is that they're incredibly dense. Like there are areas that I've come back to to like the first area, which is the ancient forest. I've come back to it 40 hours later and found this new area I had never seen before because it was like under this one log that I had never crawled under before and just happened to go that direction this time. And it was like, oh wow, there's a massive area here, you know, that I, I hadn't seen yet. And it, it, even with like the games, like I think it's five areas total, they're, they're so dense and they feel very natural. Like in a lot of games, like it's like, yeah, it's the forest, but it really feels like kind of a series of corridors with a bunch of trees in it. This feels like you're actually crawling around a forest. Like it's built around this giant tree and you'll be crawling up, you know, the sides of the tree and going into the roots or underground or through a cave system or down into the swampy area. Like, it's massive and it feels very immersive because you just you literally get lost in it. Like there's a mini map, so you can you can find your way around usually, but you know just walking around, it, it's it's very immersive. You know, very beautiful. The game just looks fantastic. So, you know, even 40 hours in, I'm still finding new things. And one of the main areas of the game, uh, you don't even get to until like over halfway through the game, and it's another massive you know map that you weren't expecting. So, you know, in terms of visuals, it's fantastic. Audio, it matches the scenery perfectly. Like, it, it really adds, you hear little crickets and bugs and things chirping and stuff as you're crawling around. Um, every large monster has a unique battle theme, so when you go into combat, you get, like, a unique theme for them. Um, they also all sound very distinctive. I mean, the, the main focus of the game is these large monsters, but they sound very distinctive where, you know, I'll be fighting this one and I'll hear this screech, you know, and I know what monster it's coming from because it's very unique. Um, and so the audio clues are very important. Uh, playing with headphones actually helps quite a bit because you've kind of got that situational awareness of, you know, is something behind me, is it to my left, that sort of thing. So audio is fantastic. Uh, Storyline, it has a story. <laughs> they've they've kind of touted that like, oh, this is the first Monster Hunter to have like a really, you know, immersive story. And the previous games, it was kind of like this village is having a problem with monsters. You show up and you help them with their monster problem. Okay, whatever. This one, it's the idea is that you are following these elder dragons, which keep migrating to this one continent every, you know, decade or so. And you're there as a research team to 
investigate and research and find out why this is happening so you can kind of have a better understanding of how this whole ecosystem works. It's really simple. Um, don't expect, you know, really in-depth characters or character development or any crazy plot twists. Um, it does have some kind of cool set piece moments that are exciting, but for the most part, you know, if you're worried about spoilers for storyline, you're not really going to, from what I can tell so far with the story, you're not going to have anything spoiled because it's not that interesting. It's there, it's not bad, but it's nothing to really, to really, you know, tout about. The one part, though, that I do like is that they make it very clear that you're here on a research expedition. Um, you're here to, you know, gather information, to research monsters, to find out how they, how they live, how they interact with each other, that sort of thing. So the main core gameplay loop is, you know, hunt monsters down and fight them, but you actually will be rewarded with more stuff if you capture them rather than kill them. So the game encourages you to actually capture and bring them back for study rather than just, you know, dragging back a body. So it's not like, you know, I wouldn't say the game is 100% about conservationism because sometimes it's like you need to go kill this thing because it's, you know, messing up our camp. But it does try to make an attempt to say, like, you know, killing isn't always the best answer. We are here for research, so let's try to capture and, and keep these things alive so we can study and learn more about them. So I did like that, and that's kind of a nice part of the story. Um, it's it's a very lengthy story. Like, I was expecting you'd go for, like, you know, maybe 15, 20 hours, and the story ends, and you go into, like, what we consider, like, the end game. You know, kind of like Destiny style, where it's got, like, a campaign, and then it goes into this infinite grind fest. We played for like 20 hours, get to this major story event, and they're like, okay, yay, that's it, we're done. And it's like, okay, that must have been it, and that was that was all right. And then you go back in, it's like, whoa, but this weird stuff is happening. And that's kind of what triggers the second half of the game when you go into the high rank stuff. And you kind of realize quickly that up until that point, that was kind of the training wheels of the game. It was, we're going to teach you the basics, but once you get past that, that's when, you know, the real game begins. And that's like 20 hours in. I think we're probably sitting at like, 35-ish hours right now, and it doesn't look like we're anywhere close to the end. So in terms of content, the game is extremely meaty. Like, there's just lots of stuff to do. Um, and just, you know, just keep going. Like I said, I haven't finished the story yet, um, but we're just kind of chugging along and, and getting through all the stuff, and it's, you know, it's going really well. So in terms of content per dollar, fantastic deal. Like, this is a lot of stuff to do is in this game. It, is it like Witcher level content? I mean, I mean, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't understand this. Like, I got a good picture of it, but I just don't understand. Like, uh, kind of like the scope of the world. Like, how, how if you were going to kind of play this, is there a start to finish, or is it designed just to kind of have a continual loop of gameplay? It is not so much a story, but a series of missions. And each mission has, you know, a, a gameplay loop within it. Um, so there is like a, you know, go do a mission or two, come back and get a little bit of story go do a couple more missions that are tied to what happened, get a little more story. So it's not like you're going to be walking through this open world, like in the Witcher and, and talking to different NPCs. It's kind of a hub world style where you come back to the central base. So you know. is it, I mean, is it kind of like destiny where it's designed to get you through a campaign and then you just have honor on a kind of a, a weekly sort of gameplay cycle? <sighs> not yes and no because like destinies was short this one is very very long so yeah yeah no i, I i'm definitely it, it, but yes that, it, yeah. it feels like you know you're supposed to you know it, it's to kind of propel you through these different monsters as you work your way through and it acts as a vehicle to get you through you know 
all the different areas, all the different monsters. And then, you know, it kind of turns into this weekly thing, you know, I, I think, but I'm not there yet. So, you know, I'm not sure if that end game exists or if it's just there's so much stuff to get through that that is the game. I'm not sure what the end state actually is or not. Okay. No, yeah, I was just kind of, like I said, I was trying to get a sense of, uh, like, scope, you know, for how the game plays out. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's a bit like Destiny, except that probably the whole game is like the campaign of Destiny. Okay, um, I got you. Um, yeah, I don't want to tie it to Destiny necessarily because I think it's much better than that, but that's kind of the general structure. So, core gameplay loop, pretty straightforward. Um, at first, it's basically hunt, you know, find the mo- go into the world, find the monster you're trying to hunt, fight it, um, and then either kill or capture it so you can study it and get more information about it. So, like I said before, um, you know, capture gets you more rewards, but you can kill it and kind of carve it up and get monster parts. And you use these parts or rewards from capture to craft better weapons and armor, which allows you to better, you know, fight bigger and better monsters. So you're kind of working your way up the food chain almost. What's your favorite weapon? Uh, the one I'm currently using is the insect glaive. And so it's oh, kind of this, yeah. this like um, staff with like a blade on each end. And you can like do this pole vault into the air, and there's all these crazy aerial acro- acrobatics, or you can kind of be like you know Darth Maul on the ground, you know, swinging it around and stuff. But then you can send out this giant bug that's mounted to your arm, and it extracts um, different colored extracts from the monster. And each of those give you um, a different buff. Like one is like more damage, more speed. You can you know block knockback, and then if you have combinations of these extracts, you get different additional buffs. So. Um, for that one, you have to like extract things from different parts of the monster. So like the damage extract comes from the head, um, the speed one comes from the legs or the wings, and the knockback is usually from like the body. And so it's kind of this mini game of you know you got to get the right angle and, and, and mark the monster and, and buff yourself appropriately, and then you can kind of go in and do all kinds of crazy DPS. And that's only one of 14 different weapons, and they're all extremely different from each other. So that one's like a very light, quick you know, through the air sort of thing. There's some where it's like, you're this like guy with a giant spear and a shield and you can block anything. One's, you know, it's two giant daggers or a big great sword or um, it's all over. One's like a gun lance where it's like, you know, you can, it's like a spear, but you can like fire it like a gun. It, it's kind of crazy. And then there's ranged weapons like a bow, bow gun, heavy bow gun, um, that sort of thing. So all of them are very, very unique. I've only really played with a couple, um, but the Insect Glaive is kind of my primary one. So if you want to look up gameplay, you can kind of see what that one's all about. Um, but yeah, so you, you in each, each weapon has their own crafting tree that you kind of work up and you can combine with different monsters. So like you can start with like a metal one and put this kind of monster parts on it to make this kind of weapon or put this kind of monster parts to make this kind of one. And there's different elements, like one's electric fire, um, different status ailments, like one of my favorites, um, is poisons enemies a lot. So you can, you know, just constantly be doing damage to them with the poison. It's just crazy, you know, the, the kind of crafting upgrade stuff you can do. Um, and so that's that's kind of the, the motivation is to get monster parts. And you get those from either killing or capturing, basically. And a big part of the process of going through the gameplay is as you're hunting them, you're picking up tracks, you're picking up scratch marks you know, fecal droppings, you know, mucus, things that the monster is left behind and you collect them and you get research points, which can be used to purchase things in town. Um, but they also give you more information about the monster. And so you kind of have this ongoing research log that you flip open 
And as you collect more and more, your understanding of the monster ranks up. So, you know, at first you know nothing about it. You just kind of know what it looks like. You go, you find it. And then pretty soon it's like, okay, well, here's the weak points. You know, the head is weak. Uh, the wings are weak. And then it'll be like, okay, well, you know, blunt weapons are really good against the head, but you want to use like range weapons against the wings. So depending on what, what weapon you're using, you might want to target different parts of the body. And then it's like, okay, it's weak to these elements. It's, you know, it's, it's strong against these elements or these status effects. And then it's like, here's the drop table. Here's what you can get from the monster. Okay, well, here's how often those things are going to drop relative to each other. So you're like, okay, so I know, you know, if I, if I want to, you know, get this, this scale or whatever, it's going to drop fairly frequently. Or this, you know, plate might take a little more time to get. And so you're always encouraged to keep getting more and more information. And pretty soon, you know, you'll, you'll spawn in and you'll immediately, the game will tell you, okay, you know where the monster's at. You, it, it shows you the trail of how to get to it. Um, you can start to predict where it's going to go next. Like it'll kind of show on the map, like, like the old arrow, like the monster's heading over here. So if you want to go cut it off, you can do that. Um, and so you're always encouraged to keep gathering and researching more information about each of these, you know, and they're all unique. So you kind of have to, track and hunt them multiple times to kind of learn all this information but it does kind of give you this sense of i'm actually learning more about it and yeah i mean you could look it up online and, and kind of cheat it but the fun is you know you, you're kind of figuring this information out in game as you go that's really really cool um you know i have to give the game you know credit though on these monster designs because they're they're all extremely unique like in most games you'll have like maybe a couple archetypes and their their reskins and you know they all kind of behave differently but they might have different elements this isn't like that like i'm not even sure how many total monsters there are i think there's like i think i've seen like 15 to 18 so far but i'm sure there's more um and they're all very very different you know they one you can go from like this this like dodo bird thing that like smashes you with rocks to you know like your typical fire breathing flying dragon to another dragon that you know uh, it's it's got wings but it tends to stay on the ground and like bull rush you into walls or digs underground and tries to you know grab you from below um to things like these giant eels that you know they, they swim through lava and, and jump out and, and try to you know spit fireballs at you like they all behave very very differently and you kind of have to relearn how to deal with them when you find a new one because you know looks are deceiving like you know this this like i said that the dragon that would bull rush it's got wings it almost never flies and you'll you'll be expecting it to take off and it'll just you know smash you into a wall because you didn't see it coming um and that's that's fun because you're often caught off guard like you know we were hunting this one monster that we you know uh we had done before. It was kind of it was kind of a scary one, but you know we we had, we knew what we were doing, and then all of a sudden this other dragon we had never seen before, like never were introduced, which just comes flying in and starts dropping these exploding scales. They're on carpet bombs the whole damn area like a B fifty two bomber, and we all just die, like just got wiped out because we weren't ready for it. And the game is really good at surprising you with unique behaviors that you probably have never seen before. And, I mean there are reskins, but even the reskins, like, you know, there's like, like there's Rathalos um, or Rathian, and then there's like an Azure Rathian. And like the difference is like, well, the Rathian normally attacks kind of in the air, but he'll land and, and you know, breathe fire. Well, the Azure one tends to stay much higher in the air and you have to learn to ground it more than, you know, just 
waiting for it to come down. So it still forces you to change up your strategy, even with minor tweaks to how they behave. And they do a real good job at, you know, mixing it up and making you kind of reevaluate your strategy every single time. And this really comes into play a lot with group play as well, because with all these different weapons, they're very unique. They all play very differently. And you have to consider, you know, how is the team, you know, compromised as well? Because, you know, you might have certain people where it's going to work well in one situation, but not work so well in another. And you have to learn to kind of work around each other. Like the game has what I call like friendly, friendly fire. So you can hit each other while you're swinging your weapons around. You won't damage each other, but you can trip each other up. So if you've got like a big greatsword and you start swinging it around, you can knock your allies over. They're not going to get hurt from it, but it's going to throw off their, you know, combos. And that's going to, you know hurt the team's overall performance as a whole. So you have to kind of plan ahead and go, okay, well, we know this guy flies a lot. I'm going to need you to ground it. You're going to stand by the head and attack the head. You need to stand by the legs and you are on the tail, you know, so we're not in each other's way and make sure you appropriate the right person. So like it's weak against blunt damage to the head. So make sure the guy with the giant hammer is attacking the head or the tail can be severed, you know, so make sure the guy with the sword is trying to cut the tail off. How, and it's how a, many how many folks can you have in a party? Four, up to okay. four. Okay, all right. Um, but that being said, the game is scaled to work with solo one, one, two, three, or four people, and the monsters' HP is scaled appropriately, from what I can tell, for the number of people that you have in the group at the time. Now, the behavior doesn't change though. So if you've got like a really aggressive monster, if you're by yourself, his attention is going to be on you the whole time. And that's going to make it a lot harder. Um, if you've got four people, he's going to kind of be jumping around different people and you've got a little more downtime to, to plan and that sort of thing. So, so far from what I can see, every monster that I've seen, you can solo. Um, some might be much harder than others, but it's possible. Later on, I, I think the game might encourage group play a little bit more, but you're not going to be totally out of luck if you want to play this game alone. I don't think you're going to be systematically prevented from doing it. It's just certain ones are going to be a little bit harder just by the way they fight. So keep that in mind, but the game does support one to four players. Um, another big thing is that these games kind of have a reputation for being grind fests um, because they are effectively looters. Um, you're going out, killing a boss, basically, and getting loot, which you then craft into weapons and armor and that sort of thing. Um, and this is true. But it's not what you might expect. So, you know, I'll use like the division as an example. So you go out to the division, you do a mission, and you're hoping you get some rare drop. And you'll probably get like a dozen green items that you don't care about, and you're just going to convert them to money, sell them, whatever. They're, they're more junk that it's more of a frustration to pick them up than it actually is, you know, worth anything. And your ultimate goal is this one particular drop you need. That's usually what we see in, in these kind of looters these days. And it's it gets frustrating after a while. Like I like a good looter, but it didn't, I don't division kind of frustrated me like that. It just didn't feel very rewarding. Monster Hunter is a little bit different, right? So you're not going to get a bunch of green items that you're just going to throw away. Pretty much everything has some use for something, you know, like I said, there's different kinds of elemental weapons and armor. So, you know, it may be junk for the thing you're currently working on, but chances are you're going to need it to upgrade, you know, if you're working on the fire spear right now, you might want an ice spear later. So that those ice items might come in handy later on. So you never really feel like your time is wasted. It's like, I'm going to need those parts for something at some point. And that's, that's really nice. You never feel like your time is wasted because you miss that one drop you need. It's always like, well, you know, I may not need it right now, but once I start working on that other thing, I'm probably going to need it. So that feels really good. 
The other part that's very different is that they really try to make it feel more deterministic in terms of how you get stuff. So like I mentioned before, as you're researching monsters and kind of learning their drop table, you start to find out that like, okay, not only do I know how often it's going to drop, but also if I like attack certain body parts, it has a higher chance of coming from that. So like, if I want this one thing's like, you know, plate, if I can, you know, break the head, which is like, you know, basically crack its skull with like a blunt weapon, it has a much higher chance of dropping. So if you want something in particular, you can change your gameplay style to go in and specifically focus like on a certain body part just to get that one to drop. And it makes it feel like you actually have more control over what is going to be the end reward for the mission. So, you know, one day you might need to attack the head of the same monster, but, you know, if you need another monster part for like, you know, tail webbing or whatever, you're going to go in and approach it from a very different way. You're, you're not going to fight it head on. You're going to try to get behind it and attack the tail. And so depending on what kind of item you need, you're actually going to change up the kind of gameplay experience you have, even though you're fighting the exact same thing, you have to approach it differently. And not only does that make it interesting because it's going to be different each time, but it also makes you feel like I know what I have to do to get the thing I specifically need rather than I'm just going to kill this thing 12 dozen times and hope to God it drops. You know, that's you, you run into that a lot with Japanese RPGs or just RPGs in general. Um, but with this, you know, I really feel like I'm going in with a mission. Like I've got one coming up where the, the hammer user in our group, I'm like, I'm going to need your help getting this one drop because like the weapon I use, it makes it really easy to mount on top of the monster and then basically drag it down to the ground and stun it for a period of time. Whereas he's good at, you know, doing blunt damage to the head and breaking parts off and that sort of thing. So the piece I need for my weapon, you get from hunting a specific monster, breaking off both of its um, front horns, and that increases your trans chances of getting that drop. So it's like, I need us to work together and I need you to break this one particular piece, and that will up my chances of getting what I need. And that makes the whole thing feel like you have more agency in what you're doing and actually have control over what's happening in terms of what you're getting as a reward. And it feels really, really good. It makes it feel less like a grind and more like, you know, a mission to, I got to go do this one thing a certain way and I can get what I need. And that's, that's really good. It feels really good. And it's, it's a refresher from, you know, like division or destiny where it's kind of just like grinded a million times and hopefully, you know, RNG just blesses me with what I want. I actually feel like I'm in control of what I'm going to get, and that that feels really, really good. Um, in terms of gameplay moments, you know, like things that are like, holy shit, that was awesome. Um, the large monsters will fight each other sometimes when they get close to one another. Um, ah, that's cool. Yeah, so like we're hunting this like lizard thing, right? And suddenly this dragon comes swooping in out of nowhere, grabs it by the neck and just throws it into a tree and starts beating the shit out of it. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, so we kind of backed off. We're like, we'll just kind of let him soften him up until he runs away and then we'll go finish him. And then another dragon comes in, like that one bomber one, and just carpet bombs the whole area. And so we're like diving for cover as this thing's, you know, messing up the two that were already there. Now it's this three-way battle and things are blowing up and they're, you know, spitting poison and fire at each other and we're just like we're staying out of it you know frantically like healing and, and sharpening our weapons and getting ready to basically deal with whoever survives this battle royale you know um that was awesome like you know I, i'm kind of getting the giggles these dragons are just like you know going to town on one another and we're like okay well you guys do you and whenever you're done we'll hop in and you know pick up whatever we can from from the, the aftermath um that was that was really really cool. So like the way that the ecosystem interacts with each other, how monsters will feed on smaller monsters, they'll fight each other for territory, 
And this happens regardless of your involvement. Like you'll just kind of come upon two that are fighting over this one area because, you know, they, they, they want that turf and, you know, one will usually run off and, and the other will kind of claim that area and you have to, you know, deal with whatever's going on afterwards. But, you know, it, it really feels like it's kind of this, this ecosystem and, you know, random shit can happen because you'll have monsters come out of nowhere and kind of change what's going on. Like you might have the jump on this one guy and then this fresh monster comes in. Now you got to deal with both of them at the same time. It's really cool. You know, in that, those moments happen very organically and, you know, just out of nowhere and they keep happening. It's not just rehashing the same thing as we progress to the story. They add more monsters to kind of the, the whole ecosystem. This sort of thing happens more and more and it's just, it's fantastic. So that's really, really fun. So I've talked about mostly the good stuff in the game. Um, bad things is, I mentioned it before, online multiplayer is kind of clunky. It works really well once you're in match together. I've had almost no issues with lag or stuttering or that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's very smooth. But like I said before, they've got this weird requirement where if you haven't seen the cutscenes in a particular mission yet, uh, it won't let anyone join on you for whatever reason. Um, so what you end up doing is you tend to go in you find the monster, and then once you find like the new monster, it shows like a little intro cutscene to kind of show off the monster in a cool way. That's usually the cutscene you need to get past that barrier. So we all go in separately, find the monster, all back out, and then rejoin and kind of start from the beginning as a group. That was frustrating. Um, it wasn't insurmountable. It wasn't too bad, but it was kind of like this feels like it's unnecessarily painful for for what it is. That has kind of dropped off a little bit since we got to the high rank section. So once you kind of get past that first, you know, tutorial area, it gets a little bit better. It still happens, but for the most part, you know, it, it's kind of dropped off quite a bit. So that's that's good as an improvement. But, you know, if you're starting new, be aware that playing as a group is a little bit harder than it needs to be. And that, that kind of knocks off some, some credit for the game because it, it doesn't feel necessary. Um, the other main issue is the game isn't complex. It's just very, very deep. And so systems are not hard to understand. They're actually very straightforward. The problem is the game is terrible at actually explaining to you how to use them or that they even exist in the first place. Uh, there's like really nice quality of life features. The game does not tell you about. You just have to notice that there's a little, you know, explanation that if you press this button on this menu, it opens up this extremely useful loadout system that it never mentions at any point that I could see. Um, but I use it every day now that I've discovered it. It's just they never tell you how to do it or that it's even there. That's very frustrating. That keeps popping up over and over again where it's like, well, this would have been nice to know about. You know, <laughs> it was actually really, really good to see that it's there. Um, but I would suggest that you go and look up um, kind of a list of things that Monster Hunter doesn't tell you, but probably should video. Um, I've seen a couple of myself and gotten <laughs> some good tips. Uh, but that is going to be a problem where once you find it, you're like, wow, that's really well designed. Like they really thought that out. It would have been nice if they had told me about it. So get used to that. Um, it's just how it is. Um, but overall, the deeper I go, I'm like, this is really well designed systematically. Like it's just, it feels really, really good. So, you know, final verdict, I probably would have given it a little bit higher score just because it, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But with some of the issues, I, I have to keep it at a 9 out of 10. Um, it's still an absolutely fantastic game. There's just some things holding it back which are unnecessary, like the lack of tutorials and the, the clunky multiplayer. But it is still a very solid 9 out of 10 game. Um, it's extremely addictive. Like, I haven't played, I haven't had a game in a while where I've been sitting at work going like, 
shit, I can't wait till I get home and go play some more Monster Hunter. Like, it's just, it's it's that fun. And it really scratches that co-op looter itch that I had been looking for in, like, The Division and Destiny and just didn't quite get because the content fizzled out so quickly. This game does it better than those games, and it lasts a hell of a lot longer, and there are no loot boxes, microtransactions, any of that bullshit. You can buy, like, some emotes, but everything else is part of the game. It's all included. Um, it's just... It's everything that I wanted it to be and more, and it's just it's just fantastic. So, you know, if you want a really meaty, big, you know, deep game for sixty bucks or less, depending on when you get it, um, this is it. You know, and I know that some people may not like the the looter mechanics. It does require some repetition, but the game really encourages you to try different things and let it happen. You know, let let try different things, try doing it a different way, learn the systems. And that repetition doesn't feel so much like repetition. It just feels like you're playing a good game. Um, and I think that's kind of the mark that that really makes this one stand out from the other. So, you know, I'm like, say, like 30, 40 hours in. I feel like there's probably twice as much content as I've probably touched. The end game stuff gets really difficult, really tricky. But, you know, it's all kind of part of that escalating difficulty level, which feels really good. And it's scaled really well. And it feels like there's new things constantly popping up. The is, game keeps surprising. Is there me. is there planned DLC or seasonal releases for it? There is planned um, updates, adding new monsters. Some of them, I think they've already announced one, which is an old classic from the previous games, all free. Um, that's not paid. It's going to wow. be free. Yeah. The only stuff they're going to sell is going to be like, like I said, emotes. Um, they might do some cosmetics. I'm not sure on that, but if it's gameplay related, it's going to be free. And it, it's not going to be like, we're going to support this thing forever for free. It's like, we're going to roll out like, you know, maybe five or six of these things and they're all going to be included, but they don't believe in this idea of nickel and dime either. Like you bought the game, you know, we're going to expand on as much as we can. We might sell you a couple cool emotes or stickers or whatever you like, you know, if that's your thing, but for the actual stuff that's included, including all the events, which have, armor and unique weapons and crossover stuff that's all free as well so that sounds exactly like what uh project red said during their uh interview this week when they were throwing some hate on pretty much the you know, anybody that put loot boxes in games oh cd project red yeah oh yeah yeah no they they're kind of the good guy good guys of, of gaming right now and and i think capcom is, is trying to kind of go that direction as well or at least the, the team involved with monster hunter they their whole thing is like, you bought the game, you know, why would we sell you parts of the game that should have been in the game? Like, you know, we want you to have a good experience from the get-go, not something that you have to add on to later to actually get a good experience out of. So, you know, I, I just love their business model. I think it's it reminds me of how things used to feel um, before we kind of got into the crazy loot box stuff. And, you know, it's, it's really refreshing to have such a high-quality game that, you know... I don't even know how much stuff is going to be in this game, but already I feel very satisfied with my purchase and in looking forward to more. So, you know, if you're at all interested in like a co-op PVE game and you like kind of the looter crafting mechanics, that sort of thing, and you want something that's very well designed from the ground up, Monster Hunter is definitely worth checking out. Um, I, I can't even, in, you know, I've been talking about this way too long, but, you know, even in what little I can say about it, there's so much more information out there that you should really research and give it a solid look at because support this kind of stuff. This is the kind of model that you're going to want to see in games moving forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to, 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 to buy stuff from them. I mean, I think I bought like a PSN, you know, 
skin for like a buck, you know, because I'm like, I, I feel so good about the quality of this game. I'm willing to buy DLC rather than I feel like I have to buy DLC. Um, so that's what you're looking at with Monster Hunter World. Even if you haven't given the game a shot, this is a great time to jump in. It's a very solid game. I can't speak, you know, any more highly of it. I think it's fantastic and you should really check it out. So that's where we're at on this one. Good breakdown. And of course, I'll be covering the events moving forward. Um, I think in the next couple days, you should have access to the Street Fighter crossover event where you can do the event for uh, to get the Ryu armor to kind of make your character look like Ryu from Street Fighter V or whatever. Um, I think if you have Street Fighter V save data, you can actually hop in right now. Um, but for those of us who don't have Street Fighter, you'll have to wait a couple more days. And then on February 28th, uh, the second half of the Horizon Zero Dawn event will be available. And you can get the outfit to make your character look like Aloy, the main character from the game, and also get her bow as a usable weapon in the game. So that should be pretty cool. And with that being said, guys, I've rambled on long enough. So if there's anything else you want to cover, um, speak now or forever hold your peace. And if not, we'll hey, go and shout out. really fun. No, oh, you've not been Battle Royale. No, I actually came across a copy of the PvE uh, aspect. Oh, yeah? It's, oh, my God, dude, it's really fun. It, yeah. yeah, it is. I think people don't give enough yeah. credit. Oh, yeah, 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 for, for sure. Um, it, it is a game, though, that I feel like you have to play on comms with your friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a social game. Otherwise, like, I, I think I had randos jump in uh, when I was just doing the couple of tutorial missions, yeah. but I was listening to my own thing. And, like, it was fun, but it wasn't as fun as it could be, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the core gameplay mm-hmm. is good on that one, but uh, it's definitely one that's more fun with friends. And I, I'd argue that Monster Hunter is kind of like the same way. Um, you can play it solo for the challenge, but it's a yep, lot more fun absolutely. with the group. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's, we'll have to talk more about that, about that maybe next week. Uh, your thoughts on that, because I think that it'd be good to get a, another opinion of the PvE aspect of that game. Since the, the PvP gets lots of attention, but I, I'm always curious to get people's thoughts on the PvE, because it's it's pretty unique compared to, to yeah most of the stuff i'll, out I'll there. Uh, have to get through the tor- the tutorial missions because they're long oh yeah yeah they they, they ease you in real slow because you can get yes. lost real quick if you're not careful okay guys well you uh all ready for shout outs then yes but i don't have one which is your next question okay well it'll be my question after i gave my shout out so you've got like maybe 30 seconds to figure yours out uh so my shout out's going to go to near automata again this week um after we had discussed uh, my shout-out from last week, we went and actually finished up the game, did endings uh, D and E. Um, I'll probably give my thoughts next week about that. Um, I kind of want to collect them and let the buzz from that ending fade so I'm as objective as possible. Um, but not to speak too, too much of hyperbole here, but the ending of that game, the final ending, ending E, was it is the most unique and thought-provoking ending I've seen in the video game. Um, and I'm not going to be able to say why, because it would ruin it for those who should play the game. Um, but it was it was something else. Um, just absolutely incredible. Um, I can't speak any more highly of, of how good that game is. Um, and I'll probably give my full review next week on that. But, you know, shout-out goes to, you know, Yoko Taro and the team that produced Nier Automata. It was incredible, um, and I'll give my review next week on that one. So, hey, Pokey, if you, if you can do me a favor, yeah, can you give me a quick uh, hot take on if you like X and Y games, you will likely like Near Auto- Automata. Um, let me compile that for next week, just so I can give you a a better thought out answer rather than one on the fly, because I 
at first glance, it's not going to be one that most people would pick up, which is a shame. But, you know, well, I can do it now. So if you like... You can always change your mind. Yeah, if, if, if you like games that are going to give you a story in which things are not as cut and dry as they first appear, and you have to kind of dig your way through and learn all the idiosyncrasies of what's going on to come to a final conclusion that is not only important for the story, but something that's important to you as a human being and a player, um, this game is for you. Like, if you heavily story-driven, you know, it's, like I said, at first glance, it's going to turn people off. They're going to think it's this crazy Japanese action RPG. That's not the point of the, of the whole thing. And and I'll, I'll probably be able to put it a little more eloquently next week, but, you know, it's it's something where it's, it's very story-driven, and it's, if you like almost a mystery of what's going on, in learning to, to figure out what all of it means in the terms of the plot, as well as the philosophy of the game as a whole, um, it's going to be for you. So I'll try to think of some examples. The problem is it's so unique that I may not be able to think of any good ones um, that are similar, but give me a week on that one and I'll get back to you. All right. Sounds good. All right, Zell, I've given you enough time. Give me something. I still don't have one. You're I'm worthless. Sorry. Okay, yeah. thank you, uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Ripley, Riley, and his wife for uh, playing Fortnite with me. Uh, past two days we've been doing that, so that's been fun. Yep. Nice. Yeah, he told me yeah. he picked it up recently. And too, he made so. me, and I said this on Twitter, he made me realize that this is the first game, aside from Eve, because Eve isn't a real game, that he and I have sat down and played together since Dust turned off in May of 2016. And that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up, man. Okay. Uh, I will give a shout out to an actor by the name of Matt Beetle, uh, B-I-E-D-E-L, not Beetle the insect, but Beetle. Uh, he's the guy that played uh, the you know the big biker-looking cat on Altered Carbon for that uh, for that one episode. And uh, when you look at a picture of him on IMD, IMDb, and you'll see that you'll see the image where he's also uh, like his kind of normal publicity photo, extraordinarily clean cut, blonde hair, blue eyed, sort of, you know, California-esque type dude. And then you see, you know, like the big tatted up bearded biker that he plays. Um, imagine him doing this incredibly spot on fluent, like mid stride. Spanish accent sounding exactly like a grandmother would uh, in certain cases, then shifting gears to be a Russian mobster. It's the, the guy was really good. So little shout out to a character actor there uh, who's been in quite a few things on TV. Does a lot of TV stuff. A little NCIS, little, uh, let's see what else we got here. Like Midnight Scorpion, Dark Horses, Fortress. Interesting. So, uh, like I said, shout out to that guy. He he was a, a good example of standout performance, kind of in the background, but really fun to watch. So that's uh, that's a shout out for the week, there, guys. All right, sounds good, man. Uh, so yeah, um, you know we've already got stuff lined up for next week. You know I want to thank you all for tuning in, but uh, you know I, I one other thing I want to say is I picked up uh, Shadows of the Colossus. Um, I've been playing a little bit through that, haven't finished it yet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So we've been recording that. I'll probably just kind of rapid fire those out because the game's really short. But uh, so far, um, I'll say so good. <laughs> it's a good game. Um, doesn't make you feel good about it, but you know, I'll probably give a proper review on that either next week or the following week. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear, hear what you say about that. But, yeah. Hey, uh, Bate and uh, Zell, have you guys ever played Shadows no. of the Cloth? No. 
Okay. All right. So I like, like I said, this is normally not a, not the type of game that I I play, but it is, it's it's quite good. Mm-hmm. And and that might be a good example, depending on how the story goes, is um, compared to, to Automata, just the way things are going. It's like, oh, this is gonna end so well. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's a good one. So I'm gonna probably finish that one up this week. Uh, it won't take long. It's a it's a pretty short game. And if you do want to pick it up, if you're a fan of the original, I I thought it was a full sixty dollar game. It's actually only forty um, if you buy it on PSN. So it's cheap. So we'll we'll talk about that one probably the next week or two, and then I'll give my full near Automata review. Um, probably next week once I kind of write some stuff down because it, it needs to be talked about. But, uh, you know, that being said, guys, you know, if you want to be on the show, if you want to suggest a game for us to play or have a topic for us, for us to discuss, just let us know. Um, you know where to find us on biomass.net and uh, we'll get you in. So see you all next week and uh, thanks for tuning in.